Hi, I'm Laura Allen. And I'm Liv Austin. And between us, we are a songwriter, actor, singer, producer, and the hosts of My Amazing Mess, a podcast where we talk to creatives who are right in the middle of developing their own unique careers. They are totally honest with us about what it takes to pursue their dream job, the exciting highs, the disheartening lows, and and the the amazing mess that is everything in between. Knew it would nail that. Hi everyone, this week on the podcast we are talking to Jessica Rustin, a writer, an author, a screenwriter, she's written novels, screenplays, a lot for TV, she is a writer on Harlots and has written for things that go on on Netflix, BBC and in the interview she has spoken to us really openly and interestingly about her life and career as a writer and also uh, the fact that that's had to also revolve about her being um, a mother to a, a young child so She is navigating her creative life with also her personal life and how that has brought her back to writing since becoming a mum. This is a great one to listen to if you're interested in writing and how you even get things published. And she is just a really, really interesting person to have spoken to about how you navigate life as a writer behind the scenes. So we're back in the studio with Jess Rustin. Welcome. Thank you very much. I've wanted to talk to an author and a screenwriter for ages. And uh, I had you in mind, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I know you a little bit. We, uh, we, I know your husband, Jack, who's a producer and a mixing engineer, who we would have had on the podcast if it wasn't for all the other producers <laughs> and sound engineers that we know and that we've already talked to. So we, I think we've covered sound. But yeah, and I've also read one of your books and loved it. Amazing. So, so this feels that. a bit like, uh, like fangirling. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so you're an author. I mean, how cool is that? That's, do people kind of go, wow, that's amazing? Because mm. I can imagine that a lot of people have ideas for books, but then they don't actually follow through with it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think... Um, there's definitely a conversation that you quite often have at weddings or sort of events like that where you meet someone and they're desperate to tell you about their life story, <laughs> which they think is going to make an amazing. They want to like, oh, you know, you could, you could write my life for your next book. And it's like, okay, or, or I could just have an idea. <laughs> You're going to love uh, this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's um it's 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 strange because actually I I kind of have moved away from writing books in the last few years and so now it feels actually almost a bit sort of weird thinking of myself as an author again it's like I sort of think of myself more generally as a writer but yeah there's there's something really um special about publishing a book and you know it's it takes it's partly because writing a book takes a really long time (laughs) And so when you get to that point, it is, it, it's amazing to see it, um, you know, in real life and kind of in the flesh. Um, but it also, I've always felt quite separate from all of my books by the time they are published because, you know, it is quite a long process. You know, you write a book and then there's quite a long gap between finishing that book and, you know, hopefully sort of selling it and then the editing process. And then there's often a quite a long gap between that and publication. And so by the time it's come out in the shops, you know, people kind of go, oh, it must be so exciting. And I kind of go... Yeah, but I always feel a bit like a bit of a kind of fraud because actually by that point, I've kind of, you're quite often onto the next book, you're well well into writing the next book. And so emotionally, I've always kind of moved on to the next 
thing by that point. Um, so it kind of feels like I've already separated myself from that original project by the time it's out into the shops. Do you think that things have changed with writing in respect to that Kindle and being able to get things online now? Is it a bit easier to start getting things out into the world and for people to be reading? Or is it still the same process even when it goes up online? I mean, I think it, it depends. There are different models for publishing. Yeah, and yeah, it definitely... There are now a number of digital only and digital first publishing companies and that's something that I mean my last novel was published in 2012 so it is a few years since I was kind of in that publication process um and even you know obviously in those few years the the publishing industry has moved on um but yeah there are definitely uh publishing companies now which work only with digital uh which does enable them to be quicker and that's you know people can obviously self-publish um but just talking about actual publishing companies who are publishing authors books uh they can definitely be a bit quicker on their feet but there is still you know editorial process that you need to go through or that you should ideally go through and I actually think that for most writers that having a bit of time through that process is often helpful because it's so hard to be objective about your own work and that's true I think for any any creative entity whether I'm sure you know as a as a kind of songwriter and musician you find that as an actor I guess in a, in a different way yeah, absolutely. But, you know it's such a personal subjective process isn't it and I think with a book you do you immerse yourself in that work for a period of months or a period of years often um and so it's it's one of the hardest things I find about writing is having any creative objectivity and I think I when I finished a piece of work I always want to get it out there quickly I'm quite impatient on that front and actually that's often a, a mistake I think actually it's it's often really useful to do that thing of being putting a piece of work in a drawer and um you know literal or metaphorical uh, and giving it a bit of breathing space and often I find that when I do do that when you go back to it, that's when you see quite clearly what needs to happen with it. You see very quickly what works and what maybe doesn't work. And so actually with a book, having a bit of forced breathing space can often actually be what enables you to do that extra layer of work that can kind of take it to the next level. I mean, some people maybe don't need that. You kind of, you know, for whatever reason, are able to see their work more clearly. But I definitely think that, yeah, my work is always stronger when I have a little bit of a gap and then go back to it and mm. can kind of cut some stuff out and chuck some stuff away or whatever it is. It's got to be important to have a really good editor, though, because mm. you've got to trust them to understand your work and to, yes, it's good to have someone else offer a, a view on your work, but you also need to trust that they actually know what they're doing because you might not always feel the same way. And, mm. and how, how, is, how is that? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's so key is finding the right people to work with, whether it's an editor, you know, a traditional book editor, or whether it's, um, you know, now I'm I'm writing a lot of scripts, it's, um, it's an agent, or it's um, a story producer, or a script editor. Um, I think that the people that you work with who give you that feedback and who provide that mirror to your work and to your creative process is so important. And it's it's one of the hardest things to learn I think, um, and it's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in the last sort of, you know, well, I mean, I'm still learning, but uh, but I'm getting better at trusting my gut instinct and knowing when to push back um, and when to to sort of take those notes and take that feedback. And I think I'm I'm quite 
keen to, I'm always quite keen to have feedback and I'm keen to work with people who the right people but it's it is like you say it's the right people to work with and it's it's choosing those people so that then you know where those notes and where that feedback is coming from and that you trust that it's coming from the same place as you that you're both trying to get to the same end point and I think um if you're working with the people and you know that you've got the same goal then you can you can kind of go with that process more easily but even then sometimes you know I work with amazing people who I feel have completely we have really really the same vision for something but there'll still be points where you go no it's not right and what and often it's what they're saying often what the difference is finding is the note can be right, but the way they're expressing it doesn't quite chime. So it's like you have to kind of almost decipher the note sometimes. So it's like you need to go back and go, where are they coming from with that note? Like, what are they trying to say? What are they picking up on in my work that isn't quite working? And maybe the solution they're coming up with isn't right. And that's not what I feel is the direction I want to take it in. But the place that the thing they're picking up on that isn't working is often right. I don't know if that yeah, makes sense. that's a great approach <laughs> yeah, to kind absolutely. of be able to take criticism being such a big part of it and then kind of just go, okay, I don't necessarily agree with that, but there's something there yeah. that needs to be yeah. looked at. Yeah, so it's like, what are they picking up on mm. that isn't working? Like, what for them isn't chiming? So maybe they're kind of looking at a scene and it's like, well, I don't think this character would behave in this way. And, and sometimes that's not what the problem is, the problem is something else, but they are picking up on a fundamental lack of plausibility in that scene or that the motivation isn't quite right or that the the, the character, there is some kind of issue and that, and that that's what you need to listen to mm. because that's what then other people will pick up on as well. It's just like something is a bit shaky or a bit shonking or not quite, not quite hanging together. And often then it's like then really interesting because then you have to look at your own reactions and it's like, Sometimes someone gives you a note and my immediate reaction is like, nope, don't like that. And then you can have to step back a bit and go, is that my ego? Is that my ego? Because I just really like the way I wrote that scene. <laughs> and I was like, there's a really great line in there and I want to keep it. Or is my reaction because I know that that's going to be quite a lot of work. Like what they're actually picking up on is, ugh, they're picking up on a bigger problem. And so therefore I know that I'm going to need to go back and unpick stuff. Or is it that my reaction is, is right and that actually that it's just quite a strong reaction because no I need to stick to my guns and that like that process of knowing when like what that is is really hard to get to and I think it's like I say that's it's still a process and it's still something that I don't always get right for sure but I think one of the biggest things I've learned in the last 10 years is people don't always know better than you about your work and it's you know I still definitely need to start with made the assumption that um people who were maybe employing me kind of knew what they were doing more than me and yeah sometimes they do but sometimes they don't um and they're employing you for a reason and they're, and they're working with you for a reason and and sometimes you really do need to stick to your guns and if you see something playing out a certain way you need to kind of honor that vision totally i think as creatives even though you'd think that you're the ones coming up with these these ideas and putting them down in, in whatever medium you're putting them down on, it, it's it's quite a scary process to put that out to someone, especially, I'm always in awe of people who are, who are writers, especially, I've spoken to Liv about this as a songwriter, to put your feelings or your thoughts or your story down onto yeah. into some medium, is to trust that, yeah, it's your, your vision is what is there, and then people can 
help mold that into a way that will only enhance it but I've definitely been a culprit of thinking oh yeah of course everyone else would be right I, I would obviously be wrong <laughs> it's I don't know why why as creators but I think mm. that's experience and what I found really fascinating was that you called yourself a, a writer with screenplays and working on on um, scripts for tv as well as um as well as books so how did you get into writing what was the first thing that you can remember that just sparked your creation um well I mean I'm from quite a kind of literary family and background originally so it's sort of I suppose always been you know my mother's a novelist and my father's a, a scholar an academic he's a Shakespeare scholar so you know I definitely grew up with sort of words and and books and, and literature kind of around me um I although I resisted sort of writing as um writing fiction writing books definitely uh for quite a long time so I the first sort of professional thing that I wrote was um, a feature film, uh, which was when I was about 20 and I wrote this feature script with my boyfriend at the time, which was then made by him. He was a director um, and it was made by him into a film which is now safely locked in a vault of like <laughs> the past because it's really bad um, and that's that's fine that's part of the process and it was what sort of got me writing and and thinking that it that it was something that I was doing in a more serious way um, and so I spent that's how I had my first agent was for feature films uh, and I spent a few years kind of trying to do that but I was I was 20 and I was really young and it, I was really kind of not in a great place sort of personally at the time either so um, the film industry is quite brutal and so that kind of fizzled out and then I kind of moved away from writing and I did everything a bit backwards I went I hadn't I'd been to art college when I was younger and I dropped out of art college and I so I then went back later and um, did a psychology degree with the OU and I got married and I did other stuff and I worked in publishing and film and blah 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 and, and then I um I worked my way round to writing a novel, which was my first novel, uh, which was a book called Luxury, which I published in 2009, 2010. But like I say, I kind of resisted writing fiction for quite a long time, I think, because my mother was a novelist and I sort of, lots of people had said to me, oh, are you going to be a novelist? And I went, no, definitely not. And then I was like, mm, maybe. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely wasn't, it wasn't something that I kind of held up as like this dream. It was almost the opposite, that I was kind of quite stubborn about not doing it. And then I kind of did it. And um, yeah, and then wrote four novels um, that were published um, between 2009 and 2012. Um, and then, then I had my daughter uh, in 2012. And I'd been kind of playing with TV ideas for a while uh, but not actually sat down and written a TV script. And once I'd had Lila, I um, had to go back to work when she was really small. So she was three weeks old and I had to go back and do the last round of edits on the novel, my last published novel. Um, and so I was kind of back in work mode quite early on, but didn't want to write another novel at that point. So I sat down and wrote a spec TV script, which was about um, an antenatal group, because it was kind of where I was at the time and it was something that I didn't have to research. And that was a sort of script that I then started sending out and so that was got, what got me then uh, into this script writing thing again but from the TV point of view rather than feature films and I, I kind of quickly realised that that suited me as a shape much better than features had and and also partly that I've always watched more TV than feature films so it kind of was much more suited to the way I think um, so that's what I've been doing for the last um, kind of six, seven years and now do full time I feel and I and I did quite a lot of journalism at one point and so I feel like I, I sort of 
am a writer, like you say, in a broader sense. And there are different periods I've focused in on different mediums of writing. I don't feel that fiction is kind of finished for me completely. Um, but I feel like, oh yeah, feeling calling, calling myself an author right now feels a bit, a bit strange. I mean, I'm sure writers must have their own personal ways of putting something down on paper. But do you find personally for you that things tend to just flow off of off out, out of your mind and onto the page or that's with other things it takes a bit of time to work out shapes of things and and the the use of your words and things how does it how does it work for you I'd say different projects are different but I do work um I work quite quickly I think one of the things that suits me about working in tv is that I like that I have a lot of projects on the go at the same time um and that suits me really well with writing a novel it's much more kind of full immersion in one particular thing and and that's great in lots of ways but um I think what I immediately took to when I started working in telly is that kind of for various reasons you do tend to have a lot of projects bubbling away at one particular time and some of them will then step into the foreground and some of them will then go dormant for a bit or whatever but you know at any given moment I'll be working on quite a lot of different things and I really enjoy that I enjoy that kind of dynamism I enjoy the sort of uh, movement of being able to move between different projects and to focus on one thing for a bit and then if I get stuck or if it gets sent off to someone to read move on to something different Um, but you know I'll tend to sort of work on ideas and then work them up a bit and either they'll kind of grow and go somewhere or they'll float off into nowhere for a bit and yeah but I do I do tend to work quite fast and I tend to have periods when I'll generate quite a lot of ideas and then maybe I'll be working on you know a couple of scripts that sort of more in depth when when one of those kind of takes off a bit um but yeah it's got a funny it's got a different shape to it now so how does it work when you're writing for for television so uh, you're a writer on Harlots I think I read that season three is is where you got involved. Is that correct? Or have yeah. you been? Yeah. So, so presumably there are several writers involved. Or how does it? Where do you kind of come in? And where do you mm. kind of? Because I always think that when I watch TV, it's like, oh, oh, there's there's a new writer on this episode. Uh, that must be difficult for them. You know, that's got to be quite a big challenge because it's different from you don't start the whole story and you don't kind of you have to follow something that's already happened and trust yourself to to move it forward well it really it really varies and there are loads of different ways that this happens so part of my work is developing my own projects so so at the moment for example I'm writing a script which is an adaptation of a book which um you know something that I've been employed to do by a production company and a and a broadcaster so I'm writing a a pilot script for what might become you know a series based on this book and then I've got my own ideas which I'm developing which I'm also writing scripts for or outlines for so that's kind of one side of it is like my own stuff which may or may not become you know series that that then get made um but you know Harlots is an interesting example so um with then work on other people's shows you might you might come in on the first series of something in which case you can be involved from the start but with Harlots like you say I didn't get involved until they'd already made two series and I came in series three um but the way that it works in a scenario like that is that then you know there's a kind of writer's room so it's not like you're just given you know a kind of random sort of scenario and told to go off and write it I was already with working with the production company who um, make Harlots on my own 
project. So I knew the producers quite well. And then I met, so I met with the creators of the show, um, who is a playwright called Moira Buffini and her co-creator, who is um, an actress and, and creator called Alison Newman. So I met with them and they said, yeah, we'd love you to come on for to series three and write an episode. So then when that kind of process started, it was, they they had an idea of what they wanted to happen in series three. They'd already talked to the producers um, and the kind of story producer about that idea. So then when we got, got together, um, it was very much them, another writer who'd worked on earlier series and me and the story producer all sitting in a room and sort of talking about what the overall series arc might be for that series so it was like there are going to be eight episodes and you know Moira is the lead writer so she was writing three episodes of that series but she's a very um collaborative writer she's very much someone who wants ideas and wants input and wants to kind of her view and her take on it was always I'm getting people in to write episodes because I want to hear their ideas as well. I don't just want to be the one sort of telling people how it's going to be. So um, it was a really lovely and amazing process. And it was the first kind of big show like that that I'd worked on. So it was a fantastic one to be kind of involved with because A, I knew some of the people working on it already. And like I say, it was a very collaborative um, room and just a really wonderful creative space because it was somewhere where I felt that, you know, you could say, you could give ideas and you could say, anything um, and it would be taken seriously and it would be kind of looked at Um, and so it's very much then a a process of kind of looking at it overall and saying okay what happened with these characters last series you know where are we going to take them what might happen and then starting to break it down into episodes and and sort of block it out and block the story arc out so by the time you go away to write your own episode you've you've been quite involved in that process and then you've spent you know a number of days doing quite detailed storylining with the other people involved on what's going to happen in that process, in that in that episode, sorry. You then go and write a series outline. So then, so, you know, you spend maybe a week and literally you'll sit in a room with, white, with a sort of whiteboard and with sheets of paper on the wall going, OK, what happens in the first scene? You block it all out. So by the time you go away and write an outline, everyone's pretty happy with the story for that episode, what's going to happen when. And then you go away and write an outline which literally describes what is going to happen in that episode and then you bring that outline back and everyone reads it and everyone kind of then gets a chance to say, oh, actually, that doesn't work quite in the way we thought it was going to be, that doesn't feel quite right and we can all discuss it. So by the time you then go to write the, the first draft of the script, you're really going away with quite a detailed plan for the script. So you're not going away going, oh God, I've got to just write in the dark and hope that everyone likes it you're going away knowing that the people who've created these characters and who make this show are basically pretty happy with the plan Um, and so then it's your job to bring that plan to life and that's a really great place to be in because then you can kind of bring those characters to life and those scenes to life and have fun with it but you're not just sitting there kind of in a room by yourself going oh I've got to get like this episode happening um, and then you know you'll do lots of drafts and it'll all be worked out from lots and lots of drafts and everyone will have their chance to give notes and that's when it can be quite tough because everyone kind of comes in and goes oh well we thought that was going to sound really great and actually it doesn't and you go oh okay I thought that I was quite happy with that when I wrote it but okay fine and you've got to be quite 
you know, we were talking about resilient and notes and everything. And that's a really great kind of learning process because you've got to be really resilient and you've got to be able to take those notes. And I actually found that quite an interesting process because I'm my my kind of take on it at that point is it's not my show. Like that's someone else's show. It's their vision. They've got to be the one who's happy with it um, fundamentally. So I'm kind of fine with them going, no, we don't like that. We want to do something differently. And I go, okay, great. Like it's not my... Um, it's quite freeing, I think, as a writer of an episode on someone else's show, as you go, fundamentally, that's not my problem in some way. Like, great, if you want if you want to be different, fine. Um, you've got to just not got to be, you've got to not be precious. You can kind of trust that if they are not happy, they will definitely say, because yeah. it is important to them. They're yeah. not going to just uh, try and make you happy by saying, oh, no, yeah, that's great. No, like, you're there to serve the show and serve the process in that role. And I think it's something that not every writer is comfortable with. Like, some people, especially, like, it can be hard if you've come from writing novels where um, it is your your vision only. Um, but like I say, I find that quite freeing because it's it's kind of... It's not all on your shoulders then. You know, there's a whole... There's kind of room of other people going, well, then what about this solution? If you get stuck, there's other people to help solve the problem. Um, Especially if you're talking about plotting and, you know, just like the logistical problems that can be such a nightmare with scripts and the choreographing of getting someone from one place to another. And there are other people's brains to kind of take over the load when that gets tricky, which I think is quite exciting that collaborative process I really enjoy that's what was kind of coming to mind for me was thinking how does it translate from something you put onto paper to then suddenly on screen whereas mm. with, with a, a novel you get to kind of what's in your mind is then there for someone else to kind of create their own pictures in their heads of what, what you've put on onto paper does that is that something that you quite look forward to seeing once it's been transferred to a big screen is it normally what you had in your head when you were writing or does it sometimes look completely different I find it slightly uncomfortable watching my own um my own work on screen uh it's a bit like hearing your own voice uh just recorded i i guess i think it's probably quite a personal thing it's really the thing that i've loved is and find really useful actually is going to read throughs and hearing actors kind of bring the words to life and like i find it really helpful when i'm writing so when i'm writing on a show where you've already got cast is hearing those particular actors' voice in my head as I'm writing. Or, for example, like, if I've been writing something and people have started talking about particular actors for particular roles, I then start to hear those actors say the lines as I'm writing and actually just in my head, I find that can be really useful. And then when you go to read-through, you know, some lines feel a bit bland on the page and an actor can bring something to it that you just kind of didn't anticipate and that's really exciting. You go, oh, wow, that's really... They've brought something completely new to it. Some lines, on the other hand, you kind of think it was going to be really funny and really great and it's like, oh, yeah, no, it doesn't really really work. And again, that's really useful because you kind of go away and rethink it and go, okay, now I've got that actor's voice in my head or that part a bit more in my head. How can I rework that line and does it just need to come from a different place? And I think that's really, really, really helpful. Is it ever tempting to be like, uh, you didn't you didn't quite get that. It's yeah. meant to be funny because <laughs> that's not the way I had Sorry, it in my yeah. head. <laughs> if you could say it like this, just give them a straight line read. Just, just repeat yeah. after me. You've done that. You've been essentially hired to, to write because someone knows that you're great and there's a show already there. The opposite side of that, as you're saying, you're working on your own projects, your own ideas. Mm-hmm. How... 
how precious do you get about those coming to life? Are you happy to just give all you've got and and see what happens with it? Or is it is it really heartbreaking if it doesn't actually become anything? It varies a bit depending on the project. I mean, there are some projects, you know, that are particularly close to my heart. And I think, you know, there are some projects that it just, you know, TV development takes ages and a lot of things, you know, for example, um, the first project that I ever had um, a piece of work commissioned for was... Um, so when I, I wrote that original spec script uh, and someone, I sent it out to agents and didn't get anywhere and then I started sending it out to producers and I got um, kind of interest back from a few producers who wanted to read it and wanted to meet. And one person in particular was um, a really lovely producer who was um, at the time at ITV Studios who got in touch with me and said, you know, I still like the sound of this, I like the sound of you, can you come in and have a meeting? And I went in and spoke to him and... Uh, that sort of spec script didn't go anywhere, but he, because actually something too similar had just been announced by the BBC when I went to meet him. And he said, well, we can't do that, but, you know, what other ideas have you got? And in that meeting, he commissioned a treatment or, you know, pitch outline for another idea that I pitched him in that meeting. So that was in 2000 and late 2013, I think. And that idea went into development and we worked on a pitch for that. And then um, ITV commissioned a script for that and they commissioned a second script for that. And it didn't end up going anywhere. And at the time, I was really gutted because it looked like it might. It looked like it might get made. And I was really gutted at the time. And it kind of went dormant. And then he moved to a different production company, as is often the case. People move around. And about a year or so ago, he came back to me. And we'd been in touch over the intervening time. And we built up a really good relationship. And he came back to me and said, I still keep thinking about that original idea that we worked on together. And are you interested in potentially going back to it or have you just moved on? And I said, no, I agree. I, I think there's something in it still as well. And it was one of those kind of ideas that I'd kind of always thought of again. And he said, well, shall we re-examine it? So we're now in the process of reworking it, looking at it again. I'm working on a pitch for that again. You know, so that's five years ago or whatever it is. And, it you know, it I hope we'll still have a life and may still get made so that's not by any means a done deal but it's like it's definitely not um the case that that's kind of gone forever I think it's it's very much the case with tv that like if you have all your eggs in one basket then it's going to be really heartbreaking and you're also not going to make any money because mm -hmm. it's like you can't you can't survive on you know when you're first starting out you get paid very little money just to do a, a kind of outline um so for me it's always been about throwing a lot of things at the wall and hoping that some of them stick and so part and partly like you say it's about not um emotionally and psychologically kind of having everything on one project because just the reality is that a lot of stuff doesn't go or it doesn't go straight away or it takes years or it comes and goes and it looks like something's really positive and then someone gets fired and it all falls apart and so it, i think for me it is about having lots of projects in development and and kind of working with great people and in the intervening time trying to get work on other people's shows like Harlots and and like other things that I've been working on recently and just then hoping that you get to a point where you get your own things made and and for me I'm now at a point where like I say people are starting to commission me to adapt other people's work and to adapt books and that then kind of gives you a bit you're kind of working your way up the ladder a bit um because people are kind of putting their faith in you to do that and so I mean I'm you know I'm really hoping that this is the year that I get my own shows greenlit and I think 
you know, that's for me the big goal of this year and that big hope of this year that that sort of happens. And I think there's every chance that it could. You know, it may not do, but it's that's kind of definitely what I'm working towards. But you just you don't know. And in and in TV, you're you're so much at the mercy of other people's decisions. You know, you've just got to. In the, I think you've just got to keep the faith a bit. And it's so easy to say it in lots of ways, and it's so hard to do. But just keep on making your work as good as you can make it, and just trust in that process. And that trust in the process has been such a big thing for me as like, it is all part of the process. And I think, you know, that original project that I talk about that was, you know, the one that was first commissioned and has now come around. When I look back on um, the time when I thought it might get made and it didn't, it wouldn't have been right if it had been. I would have struggled because I hadn't yet learned that big lesson of sticking to my guns. And it's like, I think the bit, one of the big lessons from that project and the reason why it didn't quite work and the reason why I didn't get commissioned was because I let that original idea get a bit diluted and what people originally liked about it got a bit muddied and I think one of the things with great TV ideas great ideas in lots of senses is that you want that kind of clarity of concept you want like people really want to know what it is and you want to stick to that original idea and I think I let that idea get a bit dissipated and it slightly moved away from what it should have been. And that was because I didn't have, at that point, the creative confidence and the confidence in myself and the confidence in my own process to sort of say, no, um, this is where I, this is what it is. And so it, therefore it kind of went a bit... Pfft. And that's why it didn't get commissioned in the end. And, and if it had been commissioned at that point, I wouldn't have been ready. And I think I would have struggled because... I was too new and, you know, my, my daughter was really young still. And Whereas I think now I've got so much more confidence that if it does get commissioned now, I will know how to make it what it needs to be. The more experience you have, the, the amount that you've worked to see all the different avenues it then takes from when you write a script yeah. to, to then see it from all the way back around to where it will come now in the fact that you can stick to your guns knowing that you've got, the forward thinking you know what happens next with it because i know with the uh, the pilot i made i definitely said oh yeah okay thinking uh, it must not work whereas now i know it would have worked and i could have stuck to my guns because yeah. i would have known how to come back round to it so i think things make sense with timing don't they yeah but also i think that's such an important part of the process and that is you know i kind of look at it now and go maybe that is what that was meant to teach me and that's what sounds like quite a kind you know some people are like eh, the universe is meant to teach me this but it's like if that's what that process uh was there to do then that's completely worthwhile because that then enabled me to then have that confidence with other projects and maybe to bring that project back to me and all of those things have inherent value that you don't necessarily see at the time but actually then you come back to it and go yeah that was the big gift of that kind of failure if you like and you know that big sort of disappointment at the time was meant to then bring me to that point where I was able to take it to where it was meant to be and that is in itself just incredibly valuable and and I mean maybe some people have those lessons inherently and in them already but I'm I'm not one of them and I think you know just learning that and learning more about yourself and yourself as a creator and yourself as a as a person and your failings and how you then bring that to bear on the decisions that come later and how you turn that into something that means that you do know what you're doing a bit more is it's just really exciting and I think it enables 
me then to feel I know what it should be because I know when I've got it wrong in the past. I'm so intrigued as well with with everyone that we've spoken to and when I talk to creative people about how they how they have created their path to where they are at that point and everyone's got a different story to tell. How did you kind of get started? Did you start sending scripts to to TV people? Had you been in TV to know that that's the, the right thing to do? How did you sort of get into it? So I had a, a sort of member of my extended family who was who was a TV writer um, who, you know, so and I had a, and a, and a close friend who had worked in TV. And yeah, so I knew people in the industry enough to know a bit about the process. But so I, I wrote this original script, spec script, um, and I started sending that to agents and because I had an agent for my novel writing and so that was my initial sort of approach. And actually they the agents that I sent that script to mostly came back to me and said, you know, yeah, your your writing is kind of good and but it but it's not you know, this this idea isn't something that we can particularly do much with. It's not and I knew that it wasn't like the most original kind of groundbreaking idea. And and I think the thing with the difference with T V as opposed to uh, novels is that they want agents with a novel want a novel that they can go out and sell. Whereas with agents for T V, it's more about then selling you as a writer. And so um I sort of put that script in a drawer for a bit and because I then had a baby and I was still looking after her I think I left it for about nine months and then went back to it and thought I'm just going to send it to producers and I think I'd probably been reading a bit about that maybe being a better or different approach and thinking if I can get something if I can get some interest with this project or with me then I can then have something to take to agents that they are going to be interested in so it's more like taking them a bit of a package that they can sell or whatever it is and so I literally sat down one evening with the, like, the writers and artists yearbook and just a load of websites and a load of tv shows and I was like right who is writing in tv you know like who's writing that I want to emulate or names of people that I thought were good who's representing them who are they working with what are the big production companies like who's got an email address on their website that I can find and it really was as simple as that like I put together a list and I put together an email and I just cold emailed a load of people and said you know this is who I am I've I've written these novels you know this is what I've written I've got this spec script will you read it and I knew that I shouldn't just send them script it was like you can't send unsolicited script to people so like you get them to solicit it which means literally just sending an email and asking them to ask for it because all production company websites will say pretty much all no unsolicited scripts the way to get around that is just to say will you read it and and a lot of them will say no and some people did email back and say no sorry come back when you've got an agent and obviously some didn't reply at all but enough said yes I think I probably emailed about 20 people and, you know, maybe half a dozen dozen didn't reply, half a dozen replied saying no and half a dozen replied saying yes. And the first person who replied was this producer of uh, ITV Studios, who this guy called Francis Hopkinson, who I didn't quite realise the time was also like really senior, <laughs> like probably like the most senior producer at ITV Studios. And I was really lucky that he kind of was... I guess maybe in a quiet moment and, you know, liked the sound of my email or just kind of for whatever reason emailed me back and said, yep, you know, I like the sound of you. Why don't you come in and have a meeting? And that meeting led to that first treatment commission. And then I left that meeting with a treatment commission um, because he kind of said, well, we can't do this project. What else have you got? And I pitched him some other ideas and we talked and he said, "Okay, let's let's I like this other idea. Let's do that. And he phoned me up a few days later and said, "Okay." 
have you got an agent? And no. So that I then needed to find an agent. And I then asked a couple of friends um, and I got a couple of recommendations. And I, again, kind of emailed a few agencies like slightly randomly. And one of them was an agent called Josh, who was at 42. And he replied saying, your email makes me think that you'll be perfect for my colleague Maddie. You guys should meet and talk. And we started emailing and immediately got on and started having this kind of, it was one of those, again, like serendipitous things where we (laughs) discovered that we were both obsessed with one born every minute, I think, because uh, that was obviously what that spec script was about. And she was like, oh my God, I love that show. And we started up this email conversation and immediately like met and clicked and just, I loved her straight away. And it was, again, one of those things which just, felt right and I went in and met her and signed up with her and she's now has been my agent ever since and is now a really good friend and it I think having the right agent is so important especially in TV where they're kind of working with you quite a lot like I knew uh, when I signed up with her that I I didn't want or need someone who was just going to kind of manage me or deal with contracts for example I I really needed someone who would help me shape my career and who would help me with ideas and help me with what I was going to write and what my project were and I I had so many ideas but I needed someone to bounce those ideas off and so I was looking for someone who was happy to do that and uh, you know that was one of the things that I sort of said to her when I met is are you are you happy to be that sounding board and she was keen to do that not everyone not everyone likes to work in that way or uh, is a, at a point where they can work in that way. So I think, you know, it's a conversation that you should have kind of early on if you're looking for an agent is like what the expectations are on both sides and what that person is going to do for you because it's not always the same and it is a really personal thing and it's so key to your your business life, your creative life is having the right agent and, and knowing what that person is going to do for you and what they're not going to do for you. But, you know, she's been amazing for me and is such an important person for me, um, both creatively, like I say, to have that sounding board and that first person who I can email and go, is this idea a bit rubbish or is there something in it? Um, and just to know that she will be completely honest um, because it's in her interest to be. <laughs> but that she will say, will then, you know, get me great meetings with people that I would never have access to and send me out. Um, and that's sort of quite an interesting part of the process is just going and having loads and loads of general meetings um, and meeting lots and lots of people who, um, you know, might either give you work or might want to work with you on your own ideas. And that's sort of something that, you know, I've done a lot over the last few years is just going and having endless general meetings with production companies and with producers and, and you know, finding the people that you click with. Again, it's like with an agent and with producers and story producers and series script editors is like finding the people that you have things in common with and it sounds really obvious but um you know some of the people that I'm working with most now are some of the really the first people that I met like um there's a brilliant producer called Alison Carpenter who is the head of tv at um Monumental who make harlots and she is someone who I met you know early on she was one of the, the early meetings that Maddie sent me out on who I just immediately loved and we started talking about ideas together with and she um, she kind of commissioned one outline from me and then another and I had a couple of ideas with her that I'm still developing. I then, you know, she got me working on Harlots. I now, you know, I now have a number of projects with them and I they're kind of a really seminal part of my working life. And it's sort of people go, well, I know, how do you 
kind of end up doing that? And I think the answer is like you spend five years getting to know someone and, and sort of working on things that go nowhere sometimes and, you know, having coffees and it's a bit like, how do you get married to someone? It's like, well, you spend five years dating with them and deciding that you like each other and you build those relationships. And it, and then it suddenly seems to people that you kind of immediately are given, being given these great jobs working on shows like Harlots. And it's like, how did that happen? And it's like, yes, it is great. And it's a really, obviously an amazing privilege, but it comes about often as a result of quite a long time building those relationships and getting to know people and getting to trust that they're someone that you want to work with and that you are someone that they want on their team and that you know you kind of trust each other and you already know each other a bit because especially I think if you're in a writer's room which a lot of TV is now not all you know there are definitely TV shows that are just written by one person but when it's a writer's room kind of setup you know, it's a very collaborative process and you're in a room with people for hours, days, weeks, months on end and it's quite exposing. And so you want to know that the people that you're doing that with are people that you just kind of want to hang out with and you trust. And so, so much of it comes down to that, just those relationships and that chemistry. Yeah, like you say, it's it's so typical that people are like, oh, how did that come about? And you yeah. kind of go, this is what I do, <laughs> you know, the creating the relationships and, and a lot of patience, you know, to, mm. to trust, to kind of just go, well, I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep talking to people about this because I trust that what I'm doing is is worth it in the end. And, and you know that the relationships are what's going to get you there. But you have talked about that quite a bit about, you know, having a good team and, and how important it is to have those conversations with a potential agent or a manager early on to go this is what I would like from you is this what you do because mm -hmm. if not let's find out now <laughs> rather than two years down the line it so, also yeah. it really reminds me of that there's a cartoon of a someone digging in a tunnel and you can see that the gold is just behind there yeah. and they just turn around just at the end and I think that's it's a really good lesson that I'm definitely learning as well is that things they do take time and you you never know how close you are and as you're building a relationship with someone it may take, like you say, five years at least for me with some things that and suddenly we both at the same time come together with an idea that suddenly takes off because we're now at another stage of our career where we know different people and we're, we're in a different mindset. So that's definitely, mm. definitely a great, a great thing to think about. Yeah. From when you were very young doing, you know, your first uh, screenplay and and uh, kind of learning as you were doing it, probably uh, up until now, what's been your lowest point, your most difficult point career wise? Have you had a moment where you didn't want to do it anymore? I think I still have like moments where I don't want to do it anymore all the time. <laughs> but that's just like having a bit of a strop. Um, no, I think um, moving from writing books to writing scripts actually like and sort of restarting everything again in a way after having a baby was quite that was definitely really tough because it was kind of it what it did feel like starting over again in lots of ways into a bit of a an unknown and doing that with you know a sort of small child and and everything that that brings and just kind of the slight feeling of reinvention that I think a lot of people have going back to work in whatever way after having a child um, anyway and just kind of feeling like it is the right thing to be doing and it, that was definitely those kind of early couple of years of doing it were just you know it's just a bit of a slog it's just it's just kind of hard but um but at the same time I definitely had the feeling with with that that I did really love writing scripts and it was suddenly feeling like a new exciting 
thing that I was learning again. And I think that's the thing with writing is that you, you are always learning something, whether it's something about yourself or something about the project that you're working on in particular, or just like because you're always learning something interesting about the world because it enables you to go into all these different weird worlds as you write and research that you know that's I think often what keeps me really excited and really you know everything feeling fresh is that you are always learning you're not you know and I think if ever I think if I ever lose that that would be the big thing that would really make me question whether I was still doing the right thing is if I'm not challenging myself and not learning it's like I think with every project that I do I want to learn something new I want to be challenged I want to be feeling like you know, it has brought me something fresh. I think if I'm not always learning something, then that would be, I would struggle. Yeah. Do you have moments where, as you say, all the time you're thinking, am I doing the right thing? I, I definitely have, have moments like that. Are there moments where you think this is all worth it? Something's taken off or or you've seen something and you've, you've put something down that makes you think, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to be doing this. I don't really tend to think hugely far into the future with it, to be honest. Um, I think that's very much moment to moment. Again, I, I mean, people kind of ask, you know, do you have a favourite project? And it's it. the answer to that is often whatever I'm in the middle of at the moment. Because I do, and I don't know whether that's just because I'm really fickle, or, but I think I, I just, whatever I'm writing, I, I love. You know, and, and I get, I, if, I'm, if I'm working something on something, it's because I f- love something about it, whether it's an idea that I generated or whether it's, you know, if it's if it's another show, I, I, there, I fall in love with something about it. And so it's about finding... It's the kind of flow of that that moment of creativity when you're writing something that you, you it kind of runs away with you a bit and you know you you see what you're writing you see you see it on the page you hear those characters you can kind of you see it come to life and and that is the sort of really exciting moment where it's like yes I feel like it's like I'm kind of running you know and it's like you're you're in the kind of moment of it is all it, it is flow it's like what people call flow flow state um if that means anything to you and that i think is where you do slightly lose yourself and you are kind of immersed in that process and that is so so exciting and so fulfilling and then yeah from moment to moment you just have times when it's just not working and it sticks and it's so frustrating and you just kind of i constantly have that i have you know moments before christmas where i had a massive meltdown because i couldn't make like one scene in in something work and it was just the most ridiculous thing because I knew that I would get there but it was just this kind of you just when you can't see those elements come together you just kind of you do feel like you're never going to at some point and it it does sort of change for me within projects and then you get to the end of it and you go oh I don't know what I was worrying about it was always going to be fine (laughs) but that but that again I think is what keeps it feeling exciting and feeling like you are always kind of you know you're running up a little hill and then you you're running down the hill and it's like, wee! <laughs> you used to have that um, with every script or with every book or with every project. There's always those sticky moments and those ones where it's just really, really fun. And if there's anyone listening now that is thinking, I, I want to write, I want to do it. I mean, to be honest, the whole podcast would be advice for me if I was listening <laughs> to this, but is there a kind of a nugget of advice that you'd give someone trying to start out in, in writing? I just get on with that. That's great. Quite, Just do it. I'm a bit hard line about that. Like people saying, I really want to write. And you go, okay, well, you can, like, it's one of the jobs where no one is, literally no one is stopping you apart, apart from yourself. It's like, stop mm. getting in your own way. Don't say, I want to write. Like, I know, and I know that's coming from a position of someone who's been doing it and I have a lot of support and I have a lot of, you know, it's very, I know in lots of ways that's sort of a, a position of privilege, but but equally, 
you know, it's not like acting or it's not like certain things where you have to have other people say so to do it. Like you can start writing without anyone employing you to do so. You can write on a, the back of a receipt. You can write on your... I've written on, on my phone while pushing my daughter sleeping with a baby in the buggy you know you you know you, you can write anything and anywhere and and it is only yourself fundamentally who will stop you doing so or stop you starting it is yourself and it is your fear and it is your the blocks that you put in your own way and like I say I know that kind of in lots of ways is actually easier said than done but it but it on the other hand it's not it is as simple as that. And so if it's something that you really want to do, start and and start and keep going and keep writing and cross it out and accept that you probably will have to keep crossing it out and keep deleting it. And, and you know, that the first thing that you write probably won't be the first thing that gets published and goes to the bestseller lists and wins the booker and is made into Reese Witherspoon's next film. But, you know, it might be 10 years down the line. It might be the project. And if it is the project, if you've got something that you really want to say, then say it. You know, the person that's stopping you say it is you. I think anyone who is writing or wants to be a writer should listen to this because it's inspired me massively. So thank you so much. And uh, I hope that all your goals in 2020 come thank true uh, and more. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming down and talking to us. This has been very inspiring for me. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you. Next week on the podcast, we talk to Tom Rainsford, one of the founders of the mobile network GifGaff, and he's also a creative director. Check that one out. It's a really, really interesting chat with a very, very interesting guy. Don't forget to subscribe and make sure you're always up to date with our newest episodes. We always give the... Um, the guest squeaky chair. Yeah, which I'm very like every time I move, I need just, just, uh, But don't worry about that. <laughs> just I can be still. Edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> just don't move. <laughs>I know, it's sad. You've finished this week's episode of My Amazing Mess and now you just don't really know what to do with yourself until the next episode comes out. But fear not, I'm here to help you. We are going to tell you about some of our favourite podcasts and we hope that you check them out. One of my favourites to listen to in the morning is Before Breakfast Podcast. It's a time management podcast, but it's not just about productivity at work and how to stop procrastinating. This podcast is really special. It's hosted by Laura Vanderkamp and it's about making the most of your time in every aspect of your life, not just about working as much as possible, not just about finishing things as fast as possible. It's much more about how you value your time in every aspect of your life. Before Breakfast is an iHeart production and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out right now, Before Breakfast podcast. And don't forget to let her know that we sent you. See you next week. Mm -hmm.